Radio Influence, podcasting redefined. We are in the midst of bowl season. Early signing day is here, and there's so much to digest in the world of college football. This is Rush the Field, a college football podcast for you college football fans. I'm Scott Seidenberg, joined as always by Chris Landry, veteran scout coach and insider from LandryFootball.com. Chris, there's so much news to go through this week, but... It starts with a continuation of a topic we brought up on last week's episode. Players skipping their bowl games. We knew about some. We knew there would be others. And now we find out that Bryce Love of Stanford is not going to play in the Sun Bowl for the Cardinal against Pitt. This is the trend that's going to continue to increase. Did any of this decision surprise you? No, it hasn't. In fact, you know, we've got a kind of a running update on LandryFootball.com of guys who have decided to skip. And, you know, there'll be some more like Bryce that, that wasn't on the initial list that'll that'll add to it as we get closer. Um, I, listen, this is a byproduct of what I call a faulty college football schedule, how we do it. I think this is what's happening as everyone is talking about playoff expansion and the importance of it, it has rendered these other bowl games less meaningful. Not saying they're not meaningful. I like them. I think a lot of people do. Anybody that watched the Camellia Bowl with Eastern Michigan and Georgia Southern Mm. Saturday, see how those kids were engaged in the game. But the reality is, if you're not playing in a playoff game, uh, you're going to see more and more of this where, okay, what does the bowl game really mean? So when we saw... Um, Christian McCaffrey and Leonard Fournette and others, we're going to see more and more of it. My my call it a fear or my just my inclination is we're going to see a lot more of it yeah. going forward. Uh, my fear would be that we're going to start seeing it before the bowl games. And, and that would be a before. problem. That would be a major well, problem. If, listen, you're, if your school's out of contention for a conference title and then kids were top – prospects choose to not play the remainder of their regular season games, well, then it, then it becomes an issue, I think. Well, but welcome to modern day society where, you know, listen, we, we're, you know, greed is good. And that what one of the movies said, you know, greed's good mm-hmm. or whatever, Wall Street movie, whatever. They, um, that's the way we are. Everybody's out for themselves. We're seeing mega dollars for, you know, playoffs and whatnot and all the the modern day conversation. Players should be paid. They should get this. They should get that. And, you know, don't get injured. Remember what happened to Jalen Smith yep. and, uh, and uh, you know, Jake Putt and so on and so forth. Um, so don't do that. And so they're, they're getting a lot of this feedback. And it's only going to get more and more. And I do think we're going to see – Guys start to leave early. We had a kid from Oklahoma do it a few years ago. We're going to have more of them during the middle of the season. We're going to have more of that. People may say, hey, well, Nick didn't – isn't that what Nick Bosa did? Kind of, sort of, not quite, but I'm talking about somebody that's, you know, extremely healthy, may avoid the negative publicity by saying, you know, I got a a hamstring really is a problem. I'm going to rehab that properly, and then I'm going to, you know, sit out the rest of the year, and it's going to be convenient when the team has lost three or four games. This is what's happening when you make the sport a little bit more of a playoff sport, make it more of about, you know, what happens at the end. I think it's going to eventually affect the game. 
I've said a couple of things that uh, I won't go into the detail. I did it on my podcast um, uh, yesterday, but it is a couple of things. I think if you make the bowl games more meaningful by incorporating them into, um, you know, picking the teams after the bowl games. And I also think there should be some insurance policies that are paid for by the NCAA and the schools where a kid, if they want to play in a bowl game, but they are fearful of the injury, they can get a policy that can help them um, recoup some financial restitution if they were to suffer an injury. Um, you know, it might, it won't eliminate all of them, but it certainly would uh, curtail this to some degree. But I have real concerns about how this is done. Why is it? You got coaches that are leaving before bowl games. Yeah, well, well that's an issue when, on its own right. But. When you, yeah, but that's all that's all tied together, Scott. Uh-huh. That's all part of. Well, they're gonna do it. Why not? And then you hear everybody and the talking heads. I'm sure you talk about it on your show, and everybody. Well, why shouldn't they do it? If the coaches can leave, well, we can leave, and the coaches got money. You know, so it, it, this is being brought out more. We're in a different society. And so I just say this, that if you don't want it to continue, the powers that be need to come up with some substantive changes that are going to make it more enticing for players to want to finish the season. And I think it's a very complex issue. And if they don't, then I think the bowl games are going to become less and less meaningful in terms of players wanting to play. They're still meaningful for young guys. It's still meaningful for the communities in which the bowl games are playing. But for the guys whose careers are up uh, or going to be up after the bowl game, if you're not playing in a playoff game – well, you know, again, imagine the, the, the furor was going to happen now when a player that is in the playoffs are going to say, you know what? I got a great career. I'm a first-round pick. I, you know, I'm not playing in the playoffs. Yeah. Imagine when that's going to – because it's coming. It's going to take the right guy that's going to – or the wrong guy, depending on how you want to look at it, that's going to say, you know what, I'm going to do that. But how that's much of this, the world we live in. I understand the fear of injury, right? But how much is financially based? Because if a kid decides to forego the bowl season, right, and automatically he declares for the NFL draft, well, then – he can hire an agent and then some agents out there who may or may not engage in shady tactics. That's, that's a whole other argument, but they are willing to give kids signing bonuses because they know that when they get drafted and when they sign their professional contracts, they're going to kick back the money. So they say, Hey, thanks for signing with my agency, whether it's CAA or William Morris or whoever. And they say, here's a couple of grand as like a front, a signing bonus for you coming with us. NCAA rules, they can't accept money. They can't sign with an agent. But if they're done playing football for their team, they're done with school, well, now they can sign with an agent. And I wonder how much of it is financially based where the kid just wants to get paid right now as opposed to waiting until he signs that NFL contract. Well, it, it, it to me, it's only a couple of more weeks. Yeah. So that money is going to be there anyway. What agents normally do, the big ones, is – they sign these guys, and you know when they put them up and have them train on the beach for the yeah. combine and mm-hmm. all that, they're mm-hmm. putting them up. Yeah. Um, but you know they're not. Do- you know guys can opt to go do that now, but for the most part, they're not going to do that until January anyway. So the whole issue is, to me, it's about fear of injury because signing with the agent 
Well, that's always happened. It mm-hmm. just happened in January. Uh, I mean, getting the money now versus, I mean, it's the same amount of money. It's just, to me, the difference is the bowl games are not as meaningful to the players yeah. as much anymore. That's what's changed. Uh, but you're right. I mean, the agents certainly pay them money and take care of them now, and they'll get their money back once the player signs and you know gets drafted. But that still takes place. It could take place in two weeks, three weeks, mm-hmm. whenever they're eliminated. To me, that's not is not what is changing it. Now, I do think this, and this is where the big thing is happening. They're talking to agents. That's okay, and the agents are telling them, and their family members are telling them what I'm just saying. Hey. Don't go play in that bowl game. What do you want to go play in the Birmingham mm-hmm. Bowl for? You're not going to improve Wyoming? your stock. You can only hurt yourself. This is where yours yeah. you get hurt. Mm-hmm. Remember that mm-hmm. Jalen Smith? You know, this is what can happen. That's what's happening. And so, and for what? Yeah, I know you want to play with your teammates. That's great. But who's going to take care of you if you get injured? Then, see, that's what they're getting filled with. And so you didn't have that as much back 30 years ago. You've got that. And you also have kind of the modern pressure of, quite frankly, what do you hear people today say? Hey, that guy's stupid for playing in the bowl game. Mm-hmm. He's risking mm-hmm. an injury. That becomes that, – that starts to have an And effect. every time somebody gets hurt – the conversation comes around. This is why you shouldn't play. That's this exactly is why right. these kids should get paid or there should be insurance. Every time a player gets hurt, the topic gets brought up again. Yeah, and it's you know, it's it's not a good situation. It's a problem and, and we're we're seeing it. We saw it in the NFL with Le'Veon Bell. I'm not signing my, you know, um, franchise tag number. I want my signing bonus, and I want my big contract. I'm not playing this year. I'm giving up money. Well, you're doing that in the NFL level. You think a player is going to have a problem with skipping one bowl game that's not going to really matter a whole lot to him one way or the other, but the downside is, is that he gets injured and he loses potentially millions? That becomes an easy decision for them if they want to look at what's best for them. Well, that's kind of, un- you know, fortunately, unfortunately, that's where society is today. 30 years ago, you wouldn't think about, you know, leaving your teammates and not playing in the bowl game. I grew up to where I wouldn't think about missing a game. If I could strap them up today as old and decrepit as I am, I'd put pads on today <laughs> with a bad hip and a bad knee and go line up and hit somebody because that's what I'd want to do. That That's not the world we live in today. And that this is where I'm saying, look, we're not – you're not going to change the view of these players because it's going to get more and more like that to where – the only games that are going to really matter are going to be the bowl games and, or excuse me, the playoff games. And that's why we're going to eventually get into expansion where we'll have, you know, more teams that are going to be in play in the playoffs. And I think those guys will more likely continue to play. Although I said I wouldn't rule out somebody skipping out on that at some point. But I think you could agree that. It's less likely if you got a playoff game, there's more pressure to stay and compete then. But, you know, that's – I mean, let's let's go back a few years ago. Remember when people said about Jadavion Clowney, he's going to sit out? Let me, mm-hmm. Let's remind folks, he played in that bowl game on January 1st. Remember the big hit against Michigan? That's right. He played in that bowl mm-hmm. game. He didn't skip that bowl game. This is new now. 
Now, if it were today, Clowney is probably joining the group of a number of people that I'm not playing in that bowl game. So my point is, is I think that's going to happen more and more. And, and to me, I've always said, look, if you're a high pick and that's what you want to do, but if you're a mid-round pick, a late-round pick, you know, um, you got a chance to help yourself in a big bowl game. You know what the you know what the, the counteract to what I'm telling people the agents are saying, hey, Scott, if you're a third or fourth-round pick – don't go. You got a chance to be drafted, even if it's not third or fourth round. If you get injured, you're not going to get drafted at all. Mm. Scott's saying, I don't, I don't think yeah. I want to play. I, I this is what's happening. Yeah. This is what's happening right now, and it's not an easy fix. Mm-hmm. But it's something that you know, you, it's not going to be fixed by calling upon the loyalty of you know the old alma mater. You yeah. know that that's just not going to do it. And um, I think we need to look at it. I think we need to look at a lot of different things about you know how we go about uh, dealing with these bowl games and what are their meanings. And I think incorporating it into the playoff system make some sense somehow, some way. But this is why I think we're going to see some dramatic changes in the process over the next several years because these bowl games are going to become less and less meaningful um, as we go further along with with the with players skipping him. Yep. And another trend that is going to continue, Chris, and this is something that we've seen for several years, top quarterback prospects transferring schools because they're either unable to win the job or the situation's just not right. Justin Fields reportedly is mm-hmm. exploring transfer options away from Georgia. This is the former number one overall recruit in the country, and we've seen this happen before with top quarterback recruits. Kyle Allen and Kyle Murray both left Texas A&M. We saw what Kyler Murray did at Oklahoma, Heisman Trophy winner. Jeff Driscoll left Florida. Um, um, we've seen uh, Blake Barnett leave Alabama. Gunnar Keel left um, Notre Dame, mm-hmm. right? So the, there's there's been a list of top recruited quarterbacks to be disappointed with their destinations after just one year or two years. Oh, Jacob Eason, who was behind Jake Fromm mm-hmm. and is now going to be at Washington next year after sitting out. And so Fromm's not going anywhere. He has shown how talented he is at the quarterback position. He's going to be there next year. He'll be there the year after before going to the NFL. This kid is a winner for Kirby Smart. Justin Fields deciding to possibly transfer, and we don't know yet because he hasn't declared. He's not on the transfer list. He's still practicing. He intends to play in the Sugar Bowl. Let's say this kid goes to Oklahoma, which is one of the teams that he's reportedly considering. We could be talking about another Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray if Justin Fields ends up with Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. Yeah, now, I, don't, I don't know, Chris, if he's going to – because he, if he transfers, he's probably going to try and do that hardship waiver. And I don't know if they're going to approve that, the NCAA, because he's played a decent amount this year. So I don't know if that would qualify. He might have to sit out a year. But I, everyone in the country is – watching Justin Fields with eyes wide open to see what happens with this kid. Yeah, and, you know, to me, Ohio State uh, appears to be – um, at least behind the scenes, the most likely landing spot for him. Oklahoma's got uh, a really good young quarterback, and, to- and they've got committed um, one of the top quarterbacks in the country um, uh, it, it, that, that's going to sign tomorrow. 
but again, that that is definitely those are two schools among many. Was Ohio State heavily involved in the original recruiting process? Like, how much did Urban Meyer, you know, put into getting Justin Fields before he announced he was going to Georgia? Not, not. Uh, I mean, there was interest, but that it it wasn't one of his, you know, final uh-huh. uh, decisions. But I think now, looking at the possibility of going in, I know that Oklahoma and Ohio State make sense because of transfers openings. Uh, you know, uh, Haskins is likely to leave. Yep. Uh, I mean, there, there are a number of possibilities. We need to see, you know, where this kind of goes first. Um, first of all, it, it is not a surprise. This has been inevitable, I think, as this season has played out. He has not got it, gotten the play in time that a lot of us expected. I don't know why that is. I get asked the bunch, well, what's wrong? Well, I don't know. I'm not there coaching him every day. Mm-hmm. All I can say is that they didn't have much of a plan for him this year. Now, that is... Except for a stupid 4th and 11 fake yeah, yeah, well, it's not much of a plan. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and you know, go line, uh, you know, go into the game, run the football every time. Basically, a Wildcat, you know, quarterback is how they've used him. Now, that is because either he hasn't done a very good job with what they've asked him or they haven't done a very good job of preparing him. I, I don't know without having been in that building on a daily basis to know which one it is. So this is pretty normal. This is you've mentioned some of those names. About 50% of the players that were the top guy um, end up going somewhere else because they don't win the job somewhere. And this is, again, another thing that is going to be part of the future. So um, this is going to be a big part of, you know – filling your needs and I think the quarterback position is going to lead the way it's it's um we don't see big quarterback signings in the NFL, but we get them in, the, in college football, and we're going to get them more and more because they're going to be like free agents that people are going to sign and, and, and bring on board as a result. Now, my understanding, I don't know that he went into the NCAA portal today, which means okay. that, that he is, if he did – He's letting people know that he's, he's available. Well, it means he's letting officially, which means – that when you go into the portal, and I don't know, I haven't gotten confirmed that he is or isn't, but if they go into the portal, that means that, you know, they may not have a spot for him at Georgia. You know what I mean? They That means he, they can move on and he, you know, so, you know, at that point, I think that, that when you go there, then you're one foot out the door and the, they need to keep the door open for you for you to re-enter back in is the best way to look at it. So... I think we'll we'll learn something relatively soon. I, I say soon. It's we're approaching. I, I I would imagine that we'll go through the bowl game before something's official. But but who knows? Um, but this is going to continue to happen more and more. How do you deal with it now? Um, you still need to recruit top quarterbacks, but I think you have to be really careful of when you sign. You need to have a, a, enough of a plan and, and know that. That if if things work, that you at least each guy has a couple of years remaining. Because think about it. You just mentioned from an outstanding quarterback. Eason has got NFL talent. Fields has got all five-star quarterbacks. They were all Georgia Bulldogs. Yep. Now they're Jake Fromm injury away from basically playing a Mm walk-on in a bowl game. Mm -hmm. So, you know, now it's about you've got to have other options. And you almost have to stagger it to where – you you need to keep them a year or two apart. But if you miss on one, Scott, then you're in trouble because 
now you got a guy that that you don't have anybody there and you you know a commitment of a guy you, you follow where I'm going with you can't miss on guys it is going to be a tough dynamic and it's going to be something that people are going to look at and it's so why I give so much credit to Jalen Hurts and for Nick Saban keeping him yeah, there and no, why no it's such question. a great story and from 2010 to 2015 Chris there were 11 five-star quarterbacks according to 24/7 sports 11 seven of the 11 excuse me from 2010 mm-hmm. to 2015 transferred before That's their right. eligibility was up. That's right. The only players that did not from that from those years, Braxton Miller, Jameis Winston, Christian Hackenberg, and Josh Rosen. And then both five-star quarterbacks from the 2016 class transferred, Jacob Eason and Shea Patterson. Hunter Johnson, one of three 2017 five-stars, transferred from Clemson and Northwestern. And now 2018 five-star Justin Fields possibly transferring. No. That's exactly the way it's going to continue to go. And so I think what it will do. But is this a problem with with the recruiting process? Like if you were a if you were a five star quarterback, right? And everyone wants to go. Everyone wants to go to Alabama. Everyone wants to go to Georgia. Everyone wants to go to Oklahoma, Texas, to the top programs that are in the college football playoff every year that are playing for whether it's a conference championship or a national championship somewhere where you're going to get recognized and you're going to be a high draft pick in the NFL. But if you go to these schools you are likely to transfer because you're going to be behind somebody who's just as good or if not better. Is there a problem with the recruiting process? Should the NCAA maybe change some of its stipulations? And I know they did that rule where, hey, you can play in four games and then leave, which is what Kelly Bryant decided to do with with Clemson. Is that enough to help ease this trend or should more be done? No, I think it's enough. I think it's just... You know, listen, it's a numbers game. So they all are going there because they're going to win the job in their eyes. And then, you know, obviously they all can't win the job. So whoever doesn't win the job, well, they're going somewhere else. So that's where Easton says, I'm going back home. I'm going to go to Washington. That's where Fields says, you know, I'm going to go somewhere else. And that's what's going to continue to happen in most cases. Um, it is um, – I, you know, the alternative is you don't recruit good players. Well, you're not going to do that, and you're not going to you're not going to stop getting good players. And the quarterback situation is unique, Scott, because you know only normally play one. Uh, yeah, you can use a second guy and have a role for a second guy, but again, in most cases, it has to be someone that maybe has an opportunity where they can see the path of, you know, I'm going to start, you know, by my second year, my third year, and then I'll have two, three good years. They all want to play. They all have, you know, illusions of grandeur playing in the NFL. Well, you're not going to play in the NFL if you sit behind three years and maybe have one year. Yeah. You know, that's just not going to happen. Whereas you can do that. It doesn't, you can, you can play deep. You can play running back. You can play receiver. You can play offensive line. You can play defensive line, be a linebacker. You play in the secondary. You can play any other position and you can have a whole bunch of guys, five stars. You, you can play and you can still be a big factor. And you can play in sub packages, and so you can be on special teams. Quarterback's a little bit of a different animal. I mean, you're the guy or you're not the guy. And this is where these guys are so um, so heavily recruited and are told so many glowing things about how great they are that – you know, they they all of a sudden are in a situation where they're not as loved and they want to move on. So that's what happens, and it's going to continue, and it's just going to be about, from a recruiting standpoint, uh, how you manage your roster. And I think that the the schools, like like I said, um, 
that, let's just say Oklahoma b- brings him in. Well, you better believe that the kid they signed last year and the kid they signed this year, one of those kids are not staying. Yeah. You know, so it's going to be a little bit of a re- – it's college free agency is what it is. So mm-hmm. I think it's going to – it's a tough situation. But then Georgia's in the position, if they want to, to go sign a quarterback maybe somewhere else that maybe could be in a role to come behind – you know, from who's probably, as you said, going to stay two more years because I don't think he's an early entry NFL guy, but who knows? Um, I think it's going to be about making sure that you've got a quality backup because without that, it could derail your current season. So you go from your top quarterback to somebody that's not prepared. It's going to be interesting to see and how you manage that. It's going to be this is why. All year long, it was a challenge, and quite frankly, um, Kirby Smart struggled with trying to, you know, detail, you know, where's Justin Fields? He's mm-hmm. doing great. He's a big part of it. He's ready to go every week, and then, you know, it never quite materialized uh, like many people thought it would. Well, this year is year two of early signing period in college football recruiting. Last year was the first year. There were 221 of the ESPN top 300 declaring in the early signing period last year. A lot of people feel that number is going to be the same this year, maybe even more kids declaring this year. Uh, Why is this early signing period so important and, frankly, the real important period more so than February? Well, because 70 to 80 percent of the players will sign. So what is going to be left in February is the guys or the guys that choose to sign. For for example, uh, I do think the top remaining players on the board uh, that haven't committed, uh, you know, the tackle Donnell Wright, the receiver uh, J. Don Hazelwood. They're probably February signing, so they're not. And I think uh, Ismail uh, Sopser and and uh, Brew McCoy, the receiver, uh, they're probably your February signings. But but outside of those, again, the look, look, we'll see exactly the twenty to twenty five to thirty percent that don't sign. We'll see them in February. What makes it important is this is the real signing day. This is the bigger signing day because the majority of the players will sign. If you don't get the core of your class done pretty much wrapped up, you're in trouble, mean, meaning tomorrow, because you're not going to – there are going to be some top guys remaining, but how many of those are you going to be in the mix for? And the rest of them, uh, that'll be tough, uh, tough to, to – you know, to to be able to get a quality class. So it is most important because the majority of your class is going to, you know, get in. Like, for example, Alabama's class, is, I think, is the best in the country at this point. They've got 24 commitments. I expect 19 of them to sign tomorrow, which, you know, that means that they've got, you know, the ability for six to eight more to come in in February of which many of them are top guys, but then they have some backup plans too, that they'll kind of finagle. But, but if they don't get those guys signed, if you don't sign now, if they don't sign between Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, then and they committed to you and they say they're going to sign, then they're nothing more than soft commitments at that point. They, they are not guys that you can count on. And so if you don't get your class done, you're going to be scrambling to get it done in February and often having to go down on your list getting, uh, getting those spots filled up. 
Number two overall prospect in the Rivals 100, Trey Sanders running back from Bradenton uh, IMG Academy, which is just a football powerhouse. That's cool. That, 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 that's just not fair. But anyway, um, it's an NFL factory. Let's just call it what it is, right? They started the program down there to build a, a Division I uh, factory. But he tweeted out earlier on Tuesday, tomorrow at 1 p.m. on ESPN, dot, 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 hashtag LLT. I don't know what that hashtag means. I don't know if that's cryptic. I don't know what it stands for. But by the time people are listening to this podcast, we might already know where Trey Sanders is going to go. Where are you hearing the running backs going to end up? It's Alabama, Florida, Georgia. Close race. Um, you know, I, I would I would probably put them in that order. That's how I have them up on LandryFootball.com in that order. But it is it is a it is a close battle. You hear different things. All three schools feel like they can get them. Um, it's going to be a, a lot of fun to see where he ends up. I do think he is the best remaining player available that will sign tomorrow, mm-hmm. that I expect. So it'll be interesting to see. And then the other one would be Zach Harrison, the defensive end that's also an Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. Um, those two guys are, jump out at me um, that are amongst the top ten players in the country that have uh, that that will will likely decide tomorrow that haven't already committed. You mentioned uh, before uh, Jaden Hasselwood, the wide receiver. He's going to be a February signee. I think he's going to sign in February, and I think it's going to be between. Uh, I think Miami's got a really good shot. Georgia is making up some ground. Oklahoma's in the mix, as is Florida State, but. I think he's going to sign in February. Again, these these kids can surprise you, and he may sign first thing tomorrow morning. You never know. Yeah. That's kind of this process, how you, you you wait and see. But the latest I've heard today, and I've done a lot of research, got all the, the, the information up on LandryFootball.com, is that he's probably going to sign in February. Uh, modern day's Brew McCoy. What position? It looks like uh, USC is the favorite to land this kid. Yes. What position do you see him playing? I see him as a receiver, and I think it's a USC-Texas battle right now okay outside possibility of Oklahoma but I would be very surprised if he's not going to USC but I do expect it again to be a February move and you expect him to be a wide receiver I like him as a receiver I think most people do but he's athletic enough to do a couple of different things including flipping on the other side of the ball it really depends upon um, kind of where you see him where he wants to play and where where your needs are who's the best recruiter in the country right now in terms uh, of, and now it doesn't necessarily, like, when people listen to this, they might, oh, well, it's clearly going to be Nick Saban. Well, Kirby Smart was the guy who recruited a lot at Alabama. And that's why I, I always laugh at, you looked at the trends where Alabama had the top recruiting class in the country for like five straight years. And then when Kirby Smart went to Georgia, Georgia had the top recruiting mm-hmm. spot. So it's like, well, who's the guy who's really sitting in the living rooms? You know, who's the yeah. guy doing it? If you look around the country right now and from your, a lot of your consulting work as well, whether it's a head coach or an assistant coach or a consultant, who's the best recruiter in the country? I think Kirby's in that conversation. I think Nick is very, very good. They do it differently, but uh, I think he's very good. I think Mario Cristobal is outstanding, mm. and we're seeing it at all. He Oregon. got a big victory this, uh, this past doing, week, yeah. Him doing a really good job. I think those guys jump out at me as elite recruiters. I think Dabble Sweeney is outstanding. Uh, I think Jimbo Fisher does a really good job. But I would probably say that if you're looking at the best recruiter, certainly from a head coaching standpoint, I think Nick Saban, Kirby Smart uh, are, are definitely one and two. Mm. Um, there's some others that do a really good job, uh, no, no question about it. But um, 
you know, I think the fact that 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 as a system, I think Alabama and Georgia do the best job. They hire good recruiters. They're really good staff. They identify players well, and then they develop players well. And so part of their process, obviously, is that they develop players well, they're successful, so that aids their recruiting. And obviously, when you get good players, it aids your ability to have good players to develop. So uh, they do a really good job, I think Alabama and Georgia do, of evaluating players and then going out and convincing them to become a part of the program. I think in terms of just the, the sales process of it, I think it's hard to to overlook what Mario Cristobal is doing right now yep. at Oregon. Kayvon that, Thibodeau, the defensive yeah. end, uh, committed this week. Yeah, I think he does probably as good a sales job as anybody, and they've got a top five class, far and away the best class in the Pac-12 right now. Yeah, very impressive. Let's get into some of the bowl games coming up this week. We had a couple of exciting ones to start bowl season. Uh, you know, it's funny. I was looking at some of the numbers and some of the, the spreads and totals, and Utah State, North Texas, total in that game was 68 points, Chris. It was 38 to 7 in the first half. It wound up finishing at 65 total points. There was nothing going on in the second half. I think Utah State took their foot off the gas pedal. A fun game to watch between Georgia Southern and Eastern Michigan and Appalachian State, even without their head coach, uh, really impressive over Middle Tennessee. Starting on Wednesday evening, we have the Frisco Bowl in uh, the the soccer stadium there in Frisco. It's San Diego State and Ohio. Who do you like in that matchup? Well, I like San Diego State a little bit, but I like both of these teams in terms of how prepared they are from a coaching standpoint. I think that uh, both are veteran coaches, good staffs. Uh, that's what I like about these two teams, much like the Eastern Michigan-Georgia Southern game. We're going to see a little bit of that. Um, and I, But I do think San Diego State's got a little bit more athleticism that might be the difference in this game. Expect both of them to be excited and play hard. That's a big factor in the game. You mentioned Utah State. I thought Utah State and Appalachian State did a really good job. I thought they were both the better teams in those bowl games, but I wondered how the preparation would be with both coaches taking and other jobs, and they answered in the affirmative that they handled things very, very smoothly. On Thursday, the Gasparilla Bowl, and talk about a slam dunk. Uh, South Florida plays this one at home, Chris. You know, you want to talk about accepting a bowl bid, they get to play in Raymond James Stadium. So you get South Florida in a home game hosting Marshall in the Gasparilla Bowl, and Marshall's actually a favorite in this game. Yeah, I wonder if they'll let them stay in a hotel and go to a hotel pool or something. <laughs> it's just not much. Yet. Yeah, this is going to be interesting. South Florida, um, Marshall will be excited about being there. I'm hoping that South Florida will be as well. I think this South Florida team is is you know lacking in some of the playmakers they've had in the past, but they're a little bit more explosive than Marshall. Marshall will be physical, good line of scrimmage team. Um, is that a just, bummer to play the bowl game at home? You know, because I, I, when you think about it, the excitement of going to a bowl game is the experience of going to a bowl game, traveling to a, a, a city that you normally wouldn't play in and, and a stadium that you wouldn't normally play in and then getting the the fan experience and all that stuff and being involved in the communities. 
you know, they're staying in Tampa. That's really not fun if I'm if I'm a player for the Bulls. There's no question about it. I mean, this is a financial. We got to try to sell tickets. That's exactly what it is. Because you know, that's exactly just, what it is. And I don't know how many. I mean, but I think they'll have more. T- I mean, you know, South Florida is not going to bring their fans. You know, two states over to go to a you know a bowl of similar you know uh, in quality. Louisiana or something. They're not going to yeah, do just it. Just yeah. not going to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, um, so that's a big part of it. I, I think again, it's maybe a little bit of a letdown, which is why I would give Marshall a chance in the game, but even though I think South Florida is a little bit better. And a big win for Toledo and Florida International because on Friday, they're in the Bahamas, Chris. It's the Bahamas Bowl. Toledo, a five-point favorite. I think this bowl is just so interesting because I don't know if any of these kids are that motivated to play. They just want to go swim and enjoy the beach of the Bahamas. Hey, you gotta <laughs> like that. You gotta like you some Bahamas Bowl. I mean, uh, it's just, this would be a lot of fun. And, you know, if FIU and uh, Butch Davis uh, underrated, you know, all the talk about Lane Kiffin there, but this guy's done a good job in that league. You know, FAU's nowhere to be found in the bowl game, but uh, Butch Davis has his team in there. His Toledo team is very good. I think Toledo's a little bit more talented, but you're right. This this game's a lot of fun. Uh, I, I'm kind of envious. I'd like to be there. You sure. Know, with all due respect. Love to that, cover it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I'd like to be there. I mean, you know, you know, at the, the same day, we've got the, uh, the Idaho Potato Bowl. Yes. Nothing against the fine folks of Idaho. No. But if you ask me where I'd rather be Friday, December 21st, I think most people would say I take Bahamas over Idaho. Yeah, and speaking of that uh, Idaho Potato Bowl that is on the blue turf there in Boise, BYU against Western Michigan. BYU heavily favored over the Broncos. Yeah, I, and you know, I think that they're they're definitely the better team here, and I think that that, that will kind of play out over the course of the game. Um, you know, you'll wonder about what Western Michigan team's going to show up. They know how to score. Um, they can they can possess the football well, but the uh, the defense is just not good enough. The BYU team is really interesting to watch. They they are a good defensive team. Their offense has been up and down, but I just like their defense here uh, to be able to win out in this game. Four more games before our next uh, meeting, or well, we'll probably uh, you know get an early episode out to you because next week uh, is Christmas, of course, on Tuesday, but. This Saturday on the 22nd, Memphis-Wake Forest in the Birmingham Bowl. Um, that should be a fun game between those two. I like Memphis just because I've actually, you know, placed a little wager on Memphis a couple of times oh. this season. This no, no, I'm saying not in this game, although I might. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wake Forest has come back to bite me at times. I thought, mm-hmm. they would, uh, I thought they would upset Notre Dame. They didn't. Memphis, though, has come through for me in the past, so I have to yeah. roll with the Tigers here. I sent some resentment there. <laughs> there is. The there is. <laughs> How about Daryl Henderson, folks? If you don't know who Daryl Henderson is you'll you'll he really he's the guy that ripped through Central Florida for 210 yards and three touchdowns in the in the loss in the American AAC championship game. The offense is really good. They've scored 41 points eight or more times. The defense is not really good. Um, you know they Wake Forest had to beat Duke to get into a bowl game and. Um, the offense not very consistent. The defense is is not all that well. I, I would hang my hat on Memphis maybe going out and getting enough off, uh, offense mm-hmm. here and maybe trying to win 
um, you know, game against an ACC team, even though it's not a, a very upper echelon ACC team. I like Memphis here. I think they've got more athletic ability, and uh, you can hang your head on that. Points galore in that game. The total 73 and a half. So should be a shootout there in Birmingham. How about the Armed Forces Bowl? Army coming off their victory over Navy. A 10-win season. It's so impressive what they were able to do this year, what they've been building for the past couple of years. They take on Houston. That game in Fort Worth. Army a four-and-a-half point favorite. I like the Black Knights. Well, listen, it only had two losses. They lost to their open against Duke, lost to that Oklahoma game in overtime. Uh, you know they're going to play hard. You know they're going to respect every you know every opportunity to compete. And the option offense is tough for everyone. Ed Oliver is not playing in the game. He got injured if you remember against Navy. I don't mean to laugh, but you know he's he's not going to take any more cut blocks. Mm-mm. He's not Mm-mm. playing. Derek uh, uh, King, uh, the the quarterback there, got hurt. I like Army as well in this game. I just Houston needs kind of a good win here to kind of make up for a disappointing season. Season, I don't think they're going to be able to do it. It's not been a really good uh, good season for Houston. I don't think it's going to get better in this bowl game. Uh, let's go to the Dollar General Bowl. Uh, two teams that had very nice seasons. No spread on this game just yet. I'm sure they're waiting on injury news or players that are playing or not. Buffalo at 10-3 and on the year. Troy at 9-3 and on the year. Kind of a de facto home game for Troy. I'm not sure how far is it to Mobile. Um from you know from their campus but i would think they would have more fans there than buffalo they absolutely will there's no question buffalo's not a big fan base and troy does a good job and and obviously they were good when their division one double a had moved up they listen they were supposed to be in the sunbelt mix they lost appalachian state it calls them a shot um Look, they, they got by Nebraska early on. Their defense has been good all season long. Just not very consistent, but a well-coached team, strong team. Um, they get a, get a home game. Now, this this Buffalo team's pretty good, too. Um, but that collapse against Northern Illinois in the MAC championship game, um, you'll wonder what they got left in them. Um, they've been pretty good all year long. They've got a couple of the NFL-caliber players. So I'm very curious to see how they respond in this game. Uh, but I do think Troy overall is the better team. But it's going to be a good you know, little fun game to watch. Uh, Buffalo's got a couple of prospects, so I think you enjoy this game. All right, this is an interesting matchup because, again, it's like we mentioned it before with the uh, home game for South Florida. It's a home game for Hawaii. Hawaii against Louisiana Tech. Now, folks might not remember, Chris, but Louisiana Tech was in the whack for years. They played Hawaii all the time. So this is an old conference rivalry between the Bulldogs and the Rainbow Warriors. Yeah, it is. Um, Are they still called the Rainbow Warriors? They 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 <laughs> drop they drop the uh, the rainbows the, the, the but, rainbow yeah. they drop the Warriors yeah. they drop either the rainbow or the Warriors I can't remember it's well uh, I still remember when they were the rainbows so yeah, the rainbows yeah. so it's uh it's it's they've 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 shortened it a little mm-hmm. bit and that's politically correct part of it which um, this is going to be fun as you mentioned it's an old whack matchup. Um, this is not a great tech defense. 
Um, but it, it has been really inconsistent this year. They had a bad game. I saw them against Western Kentucky. Um, if they can get the offense going, uh, it'll be a lot of fun. I think Hawaii, who started off really well this year, um, y- you wonder again how excited at home uh, I think they will be. I think it's, this game is going to mean a lot to them. I thought it, it played well against UNLV and San Diego State to get back into bowl uh, you know, competition. I think this will be a really good offensive matchup, um, but it is, to me, I think that uh, both defenses are going to give up uh, 35, 40 points here. It's certainly going to be a lot of fun. There's a lot of good bowl game action. It's the holiday season. It's officially here. Chris, we go to LandryFootball.com. What are we paying attention to the most here on the website this week? Well, we've got obviously signing day. So we've kind of broken down a a number of things. We've got by conference all the school's commitments to this point, how the classes look and stack up in terms of grades. As the signings are done, through the rest of this week, we'll break down each of the classes. But we've got a lot of notebooks. What to expect from some of the top classes in signing day tomorrow. We've got that up um, uh, on Wednesday, rather. And then, then obviously, we've got uh, the, the latest news and notes of, of uh, what, what you know players are talking about and uh, what coaches are hearing about who's going to commit where. There's a lot of uh, information there. The remaining of the top, we've got our top 150 players that are remaining that, um, that have not signed or not committed yet. And then in the top 150 overall. And we've also got uh, broken them down by offense and defense. So you can see who the best remaining, you know, quarterbacks, running backs, so on and so forth. And A, where they've committed to, where they all, you can track where they sign. So it's a good, you know, kind of like basically having a draft board for recruiting and kind of where these guys sign. So we've got up focusing a lot on that. All these bowl previews and reviews, we've got that as well uh, as we take you inside the film room and go in depth with all these bowl matchups and break them down once they take place. And, of course, win the stretch run of the NFL. So we've got all the breakdowns there. So it is an hectic time of year, quite frankly. That so much we've content. We've got so much going on. It's unbelievable, on. Chris. It's hard to really keep up. Now, the coaching carousel slowed down from a head coaching standpoint, but getting ready to pick up from an assistant coaching standpoint. Mm-hmm. So we've got that going as well. Reminder, we've got our holiday special. Yep. Still an opportunity to take advantage of it um, and get a, get a gift for yourself or a loved one. Um, you still got time to do that. Yep. From the film room analysis on all the remaining games, both college and the pro, the analysis of the recruiting class, the upcoming draft class, free agency, all the inside information from around college and NFL teams that Chris works with on a daily basis basis. You mentioned the coaching search info. It's less than a magazine subscription. Now you get an even greater holiday discount. It's a perfect holiday gift for you or for your loved one. It gives all year long. Just go to LandryFootball.com. Tell them where you heard about this. You heard it on Rush the Field, the college football podcast. Don't forget, every Tuesday and Thursday, you catch the Landry Football podcast. And be sure to follow Chris on Twitter at LandryFootball. Rush the Field with me, Scott Seidenberg, and Chris Landry can be found on Apple Podcasts. Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com. Chris, enjoy the games. To our listeners, we love you. Have a very Merry Christmas. We will be here next week, a Christmas episode, because there's plenty more ball action to get into. We will do our college football playoff preview that will be available for you next week. Chris, I can't wait to get into the Final Four. Hey, it's going to be here before we know it. Look forward to it. Have Merry Christmas, everyone. You too.
This is a Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy Quick Fix on Radio Influence. Everybody, here you go. You ready for this? One of my favorite people, my personal spiritual guru, my soul sister from B Soul Studio. Welcome to Duffified Live, Sally Young. Sometimes through the most painful periods of our life when we feel most alone, it's really the universe kind of clearing the way so that you can, you know, just organically arrive at your truth, you know? Yeah. And um, you you just said something right there and you said, I think I'm happy right now. And you are happy. Like, why not own that and say, you know, I am happy right now. It can only get better than that. My actual, my mantra, I think I might've told you this already. My Every year for my birthday, I come up with a mantra. And this year it's, what's the best that could happen? Oh, I like that. What's the best that could happen? Whereas most people um, would say, what's the worst that can happen? Totally. And I actually came to, arrived at that because I found myself as I was, I was in a perfect scenario. I'm at the beach. I'm riding my bike blocks to the beach. It's a beautiful day, like sun shining, like what kind of problems could you possibly have? But as I'm riding my bike, I'm caught in all this worry. I'm worried about, you know, all kinds of things. The list is endless. And, yeah. and I, in the moment I, I, became conscious and aware of my thoughts and was the observer of where I was placing my attention. And in that moment, I snapped out of it. I, I love awareness because awareness gives us a choice. You can right. stay in the shit or you can make a choice to pull yourself out of it and see life through a different perspective. But it was in that moment that I thought, how, why am I planning subconsciously, I'm not even aware of it. It's so ingrained in me to worry that why would I be planning and preparing for the worst case scenario? Right. Why would I ever do that? Why would I not plan for the best case scenario? Why wouldn't I be saying to myself, what's the best that can happen? You know? So I've been using that mantra and I'm sharing it with everyone. And now we're sharing <laughs> it with everyone on the air today because I, I, I think that it's, um, it's, you know, life is all how we look at things. Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.